Celeste Katz-Marston is with us, and she is in the uh, beautiful state of Boston, Massachusetts. Um, Celeste, good morning. Good morning. Is it a good morning? Because this storm's sweeping Victoria at the moment, the great state of Victoria, but the great state of, uh, well, Massachusetts, and in fact much of New England, uh, was absolutely battered by these terrible uh, storms we've been having. The, The weather in America at the moment is disastrous. Yeah, it's really been one thing after another, and this storm is the latest thing. And we've had uh, an incredible number of people. I'm going to knock wood right now that I'm not one of them, but uh, something like 400,000 people out of power in Massachusetts, 50,000 in Rhode Island, and you know more people in surrounding states. But it's really been a mess. This, this nor'easter is a little bit early for the season, uh, but it's definitely making its presence known. Uh, yeah. Schools even closed as they're trying to clean up from this thing. Woohoo! I mean, that's great, isn't it? Didn't you always, I mean, we don't have it here <laughs> in Australia, but I know it was always a big deal in America that if the snow got too, you know, big or heavy or whatever, then uh, school would be called off. I mean, we, you know, I don't know. I, I, we never had school called off at all. But, boy, it must be good when you look out and it's snowing and you think, woohoo, no school. Yeah, definitely snow day. It's called the snow day, and uh, you know, everyone's always got their fingers crossed, and I definitely remember a few of them. Uh, even in college, actually, we once had a, a snow day, and uh, my husband and I went to college at the same time, though not together, and he was uh, actually uh, at his radio station in college, and he got to announce his own snow day. Hey, so that fantastic. Was kind of the, uh, Where the did winner. you go to college, Celeste? Uh, I went to school at Brown University oh, in Providence, Rhode, Rhode Island. Island. Very good school. Were you there when John F. Kennedy Jr. was there? He was a little ahead of me, actually. Um, I was I was a reporter at the Providence Journal uh, when his plane went down and actually was part of the team covering that, unfortunately. That was shocking. I mean, in the end, of course, it was his own fault, sadly, but the fact that he, you know, two other people died in the plane crash, that was horrendous. I've kept all the newspapers from that day. I could not believe, looking back through them recently, how much coverage there was. Like front page for a week with John F. Kennedy Jr., who, you know, good luck to him. He, you know, he was a good-looking bloke and he started a magazine, but he didn't really do much with his life, did he? Well, I think that, you know, the Kennedys are really sort of the closest thing we have to American royalty or, or you know, were in the past. And I think there was just probably... a ton of pressure and you know for for any child losing a parent is is bad enough losing a parent in that way i think probably you know had its its deleterious effect on on the rest of his life yeah well not only that to you know lose his father the way he did but to grow up not even knowing him i'm sure caroline who they reckon think is going to be the next uh, ambassador to australia we haven't heard any confirmation of that but that's the the that's the scuttlebutt, as they say in Washington. She at least would have known her father a little bit. She was six or so when he died. But JFK Jr., he would have you know, no memory of his father probably, and that makes it even worse. I don't know how he got onto that, but nevertheless. Um, the, the What about this apartment building in Quincy, Massachusetts, or Quincy, I think it's pronounced, uh, Massachusetts? That was held down by eight-inch bolts, but this storm still ripped the roof off. That's incredible, isn't it? 
Yeah, we had uh, a small plane, I think, actually turned over, flipped off, flipped over by the, the gale force winds. Uh, really a mess, you know, trees coming down, just sort of a, a disaster. You know, especially the coastal areas really tend to get beat up, Cape Cod and, and so on. The inland areas generally are okay, but then, um, you know, on the opposite side, uh, you tend to get much more snow, uh, heavier snowfall, much more accumulation inland. So, uh, you know, it's a, it's a win-win situation really <laughs> what about uh, you know boston has the most beautiful rail and sort of tram system kind of a mix of both really I, that can't be working in storms like that either how do people get around or do they just stay home and they're used to it i suppose yeah, I think people are, are pretty used to it by now. We have, uh, you know, the the weather certainly. The city wasn't essentially wasn't really built for, uh, you know, cars and and railways and and that sort of thing. Um, you know, you do have accidents periodically, but uh, at least in the past couple of years, certainly uh, public transportation has not been as much of a thing with um, people being on on all these lockdowns. But you know, it, generally, it works pretty well. I mean, I've been to Boston a few times. Are there a lot of suburbs that people live in, and how do they get into the? I mean, in the only times I've ever been there, we've kind of we kind of stayed in the middle of town, and it's very easy to walk around all the different places there. But do you have sort of far flung suburbs that are still part of Boston? Yeah, definitely. And a lot of people live in them. You know, Metro uh, Boston itself is actually not that big of a city. I think it's only maybe like 700,000 people. It's not even a million people, but tons of people living in the surrounding areas, uh, Cambridge, Somerville, um, these kinds of places. And the the um, the T system, which is what the public transit system is called here, actually goes out quite far and people can uh, commute into the city very easily uh, traffic is horrendous though it is i look having <laughs> had to try and drive out of boston once over that bridge uh, i'm sure you mm-hmm. know the one i mean it yeah, is the Tobin bridge, yeah, probably. horrendous absolutely shocking and nowhere to park either by the way in the city um you're really going to get that fixed up uh let's <laughs> uh, talk well i mean COVID, i suppose um vaccinations you know in australia you know children have been getting them uh in the u.s i mean booster shots have been handed out as well we're about to get booster shots as well i think the first person got one yesterday but what about for children as well where are we up to with there with that yeah, the the FDA is just now an advisory panel of the the FDA, the Food and Drug Administration, um, is now voting to authorize uh, vaccine shots uh, at a half dosage for kids between the ages of five and eleven, and that goes for two of the um, one of the vaccines uh, out of the three that are available in the United States. This would be the Pfizer vaccine. Um, still thinking about Moderna and Johnson and Johnson, but people are here also getting booster shots as. Adults, but this will be the first time that we will uh, potentially see them in kids this young. Do you think that this is now going to be part of the vaccination process? If they are safe for children at the age of five, that all those vaccinations that uh, children get, you know, measles, mumps, rubella, all the ones, um, you know, that this will just be added to that and all the rubbish we see with the anti vax crowd. Uh, you know who probably got vaxxed you know for polio and all that sort of stuff but for some reason took objection to this one that this will just be part of that and you know from every generation growing up now they will probably just get this you know vaccination for COVID as well 
I think what might have that's a possibility. What I think might happen also is that uh, we might start getting accustomed to getting uh, some sort of a COVID shot or a COVID booster every year the way we would get a flu shot or uh, the way some people get a pneumonia shot. Pneumonia shot, I believe, is only once every five years, but flu changes, as you know, the different strains um, every season. So I think this is something, yeah, that's just going to become part of people's lives. And you will still have holdouts. There are, I I believe, as we speak, I think there are massive protests in New York City um, with public workers who do not want to comply with a a mandate. And, uh, you know, that's obviously that's uh, where I'm from. And you have tens of thousands of people who may choose between, um, you know, getting the vaccine and not getting paid, being put on unpaid leave. And some people are willing to make that choice. Can you explain to me why? I mean, they... (sighs) I mean, there's just as many, well, not just as many, but there is a certain percentage of people in Australia who also have this view, is not, is that it, this again, I don't quite understand. So please, please explain to me if you can. They are not saying no, I presume, to other vaccines. They are only Mm -hmm. saying no to this one for whatever reason. What is that reason? Well, I think at the beginning and for for quite a while, the issue was that it was only um, approved on an emergency authorization. They, some people felt like the vaccine had been rushed out. It hadn't been fully tested. And uh, that objection should logically no longer exist because the vaccine has now been fully approved, at least for adults. Um, so that should go away. There are some people who disapprove of it in a sort of philosophical sense of don't tell me what to do with my body. Um, There are people who may have objections, for example, uh, if there are breastfeeding mothers or trying to get pregnant, although uh, generally from from what I've seen, uh, the vaccine has been said to be safe for people who are in in either of those situations. And then you have people who have a religious objection who say that they don't want to be they don't want to take a vaccine that was developed with the use of stem cells um, or fetal tissue. Um, And I was reading something interesting about that the other day, which is, you know, people who were objecting on those grounds, um, at least one place that I read of was asking people to sign a statement that if they objected uh, because of that reason, that they would also pledge not to take other drugs that were developed with the use of fetal tissue like Tums and Benadryl and things like that. Yep, I mean, there are certain reasons why some people don't, and I understand that and respect that, and we'll see what happens. Again, you know, this is very early on in this. You know, people have only been getting this vaccination this year. We don't know yet. We've been told it's safe. I trust the experts. Who knows what will happen down the track, but whether that's the reason to not take it now, I don't know. A lot of people disagree, but, you know, that's their, their right to disagree. But don't complain if you're forced... You know, if you're prevented from doing something, the government has put out this edict. Anyway, uh, in Australia, we've been doing this for a while, by the way. This is the non-binary gender X option on your passport. But the US has decided to do this. Just explain how this works. Right. So on a U.S. passport, there is a field to fill in for your gender. And uh, up until now, you could choose male or female. 
But obviously there are a lot of people now and an increasing number of people who don't identify as one or the other. And uh, until now, that hasn't been an option to put something else or to put multiple things. But now um, the State Department has issued the first passport that fills in the gender field as X, um, which uh, is for people who might be non binary or in some other way, non-conforming intersex. And um, they haven't released that widely yet. Apparently there's going to be some sort of update uh, on the website or something when, when that becomes more widely available. But this is a first time thing for the United States at least. So is this now forever? If somebody puts down X, they remain X for the rest of their life? Or do they, and we hear so much about gender fluidity, can they change their mind later on, ten years from now when they get a new passport? Or how does it work? I suppose, I don't know if there would be sort of additional documentation. I mean, they didn't ask me to prove what gender I was yeah. when I um, when I filled out my passport papers or any of the passports that I've had over my life. So I'm not exactly sure yeah. how that would work. Maybe one, you know, the X maybe sort of covers everything. Yes, maybe. All right, now, uh, Sunday and Sunday night is Halloween. It's becoming big, big, big in Australia. It's always been big, well, for the last, you know, 200 years perhaps in the United States. When you were a kitty, did you go out trick-or-treating and dressing up? Sure did, of course, every year. And what did you dress up as? Oh, I dressed up as, gosh, uh, I'm trying to remember, a, a witch, uh, the the tooth fairy. Tooth fairy. Um, what does a tooth yeah, fairy uh, look like, by the way? Uh, in my case, it was a, a crown and a wand oh. and a, a sort of shirt with a big tooth on it. Oh, okay, fair <laughs> enough. Quite literally, tooth fairy. Yeah, all right. Yeah, um, yeah. So this is happening on Sunday, but of course, you know, there are some people who spoil it for everything. What can we spoil it for everyone? What can we expect this Sunday evening? Uh, well, I first of all, we're going to see how many people actually go out True. or uh, where they go out or how they do it because of the pandemic. Some people, especially given what we were talking about, that the youngest children in the United States still can't be vaccinated. Um, you know, it, it, Halloween looks a little bit different. It's mostly an outdoor activity. But, um, you know, when I was growing up, we definitely did do trick-or-treating. But one part of that whole process was bringing home the candy for mom to check it yes. over. Uh, in my time, because there were some, you know, mm. miscreants out there who wanted to put stuff in the candy, like oh. needles or pins or uh, razor blades. I, you didn't know how much of this was urban myth sure. or how much of this was real, but mom usually checked over the candy. So now what's happening this year is that um, state attorneys general from different states are uh, warning people to look out for cannabis infused candy um some of which looks like stuff that you would buy in a store like you know sour patch kids or um you know cookies or whatever yeah. but that actually have thc in them and could make kids super sick um if they eat a ton of it so um, just asking people to look out for that so the simple thing is and this is for australia as well is only give wrapped and sealed lollies or chocolate bars or candy as you'd call it that's the simplest thing you know you can get those fun size ones or you know the, the full size ones if you want to and if someone comes around trick-or-treating and give them that or give them something healthy an orange perhaps 
Uh, yeah, that's what you do rather than, you know, have unsealed chocolates. Isn't that it? Yeah, definitely. You don't want to have uh, sort of a, a bag of, of M&Ms or something and yeah. then give somebody a handful of that. That's not, you know, considered safe or sanitary. And, you know, what these law enforcement officers or government officials are saying is basically like, don't mix up your candy with your weed. <laughs> Good God. Who would have thought that there would need to be that warning? Uh, are you going to have something prepared in case kids knock on the door? Or, or, you know, do you have to put a sign on the door like, you know, cobwebs or spiderwebs or something to let people know that you're part of it? <laughs> Yeah, we do actually have some some decorations out front of the house. We have a, a pumpkin. Uh, we're you know we're gonna figure it out. I'm not again. I'm not sure how much candy to buy because I'm just not sure how many kids are gonna show up. But I think that uh, you know as an alternative event, yeah. they are having some sort of a block party so kids can show off their costumes and you know play some games and stuff like that. And and that's sort of like a daylight uh, alternative where people can be outdoors and uh, you know. Uh, have fun, but but do it sort of safely and consciously regarding COVID. You know, I'm because sure... that's the scariest uh, thing of all. <laughs> yeah, that's exactly right. Yes, that's the last thing you want to catch or be given when uh, you go around trick-or-treating. But, you know, if you do have chocolate left over, I'm sure you'll throw yourself on that grenade and it won't go to waste. <laughs> <laughs> you know, if, if if I have to take the hit, yeah, I'm, I'm willing to stand up and do that. <laughs> All righty, Celeste, enjoy that on Sunday night. We'll talk to you again in a couple of weeks. Always a pleasure. That is Celeste Katzmarston in Boston, Massachusetts.